0: a blessing showers a blessing we need mercy drops round us are falling but for the showers we plead thank you Dave how many of you are on social security raise your hand you're on social security how many of you got a raise if you're on social security okay how many of you thank the Lord for that raise you need to you need to okay thank him anyway thank him anyway in the same way that God overturned Roe versus Wade I want you to ask yourself when's the last time I got a raise on social security as far as I'm concerned it's a miracle of God and you need to be thankful for it because it may be another lifetime before you see another one showers of blessing they are happening They are happening. We just want more than we get. That's the problem. Showers of blessing are happening. Thank the Lord because I promise you this. If you're not grateful, He's going to think twice before He gives you another one. Chronological study of the Bible. Proverbs 17 is where we left off with verse number 10. Proverbs 17 and verse number 10. A reproof or a correction Now, this can be many different levels of intensity. It can be as small as, hey, wait, you might want to do something. Or it can be me taking away the corner and having a nice, hard, heart a reproof. Any type of correction, whatever level. Entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. This helps us understand why some listen and some don't. Have you ever tried to correct someone and they just would not change? (laughs) This verse tells you why. A reproof entereth more to a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. Okay? Okay? All of us are foolish in some areas. We must remember that. There is no one who is always wise except Jesus. And there's very few people who are always foolish. All of us are are foolish in some areas. If what we are doing isn't working, try the other approach. If what we're doing isn't working, try the other approach. Don't assume that the person is wise. If you assume they're wise and all you do is say something to them, there's a good chance they're not going to respond. At the same time, do not assume they're foolish and go straight to hard stripes. Now obviously we're not going to hit them, but sometimes with our words we can very well hit people. We can hurt people because we treat them like fools and actually they're wise. Okay? Jesus said this in Matthew 18, which is what Ray read a few minutes ago. Verse number 15 where Ray started. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, stop right there, what is a trespass? It's simply an offense. It's all it is. It could be various levels as well. It might be huge. It might be small. But for whatever it is, there is something in between you and your brother. Moreover, if my brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. How many people are in the room? It's not a hard question. How many people are in that room? Two. Two two people are in that room not five not the whole church there are two people in that room moreover if thy brother shall trespass against thee go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone if he shall hear thee thou hast gained thy brother our proof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes a fool How many people know about the offense at this point? Two. Two. But this is not typically what happens in churches. This is not typically what... In churches, as well as in the world, we always go to step number two first. And I submit to you, this is why there's so many problems in relationships. Step number two... But if he will not hear thee, after that initial conversation, if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. How many is in the room here? Four at the most. Not ten, not twenty, four at the most. Then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. What's the goal? The goal is a reproof entereth the more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. The goal is to correct the situation, not beat him up. We want to solve the problem. And if you shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. If you neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. I've been in church my whole life. Rarely do I see step one. I've never seen step three. Never. What typically happens, we go straight to step two and we get mad at each other and something happens to where we can't get along for a long time. That's typically what happens. And that is wrong. It is wrong. What it is, it's treating our brother as a fool. We're automatically going to treat a fool. There are three steps one on one, four on one, and then the whole church on one. That is what God, that's what Jesus as God designed for the church. And I submit to you, it will work at work, it will work in your home as well. If you neglect to hear them, tell it now to the church. But what if you won't even listen to the church? But if you neglect to hear the church, Let him him be unto me as a heathen man that's an unsaved person. Let him be unto you as though he's not even saved. If a man is not saved, is he allowed to have membership? No. No. He loses his membership. (laughs) And a publican. A publican's a cheating tax collector. Okay? We are to see him as dangerous as well. See... uh, man that just seems like a whole lot a hundred stripes is where we're at at that point we're not going to physically hurt him but we are going to say this situation needs to be removed from our congregation and we're not afraid to do what Jesus said to get it done the problem is is we want to go straight to step two and stay on step two and almost never does it work this process works Every single time. It works every single time. But what if we don't want to do all that? I've taught this at least a hundred times between the three churches that I've preached at. And without fail, without fail, somebody comes up to me later and says, I don't want to do all of that. I don't want to do all that. What if we don't want to do all that? The next verse answers that question. An evil man seeketh only rebellion. What does that say about me? If I don't want to do what Jesus said, an evil man seeketh only rebellion, I've got to look inside for the problem is that. Okay? That is very, very, very telling. This is the third type of person in verse 11. We had a wise man, we had a fool, and we had an evil man, and I colored them as such. A wise man, he's going to correct. A fool, he may or may not, depending on the the, uh, method that you use. The the evil man, he's not going to be corrected at all. There's three types of people. He refuses to change. He He will not change. I'm mad at you, and I don't care what you do, I'm going to stay mad at you. That is unscriptural, and it is a sign, a sign that that you're not saved. Jesus said, if you won't forgive, I won't forgive you. It is a sign of not being saved. I'm not saying that if you refuse to forgive, you're not saved, because it is hard to forgive. If I refuse to try, That is not a good sign. An evil man seeketh only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. Think about that. An evil man seeketh only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. Who sends the cruel messenger? God himself sends the cruel messenger. Why? Because this is very, very important to God. Bad things happen when we rebel. Almost all rebellion starts small. Almost all rebellion is avoidable if we will simply do what Jesus said. Period. Expect the problem to grow if we're going to rebel against the process. Verse 12. Let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man. Rather than a fool, it is folly. Now comparing this with verse 11, it sounds like that the bear is going after the guy that is the fool. That's not exactly what this is saying. This is poetically written. Okay? The man is the focus, not the bear. Okay? Let a man beat the bear, not let the bear beat the man. It's safer for him to confront the bear than the fool. It is safer for the man to confront the bear than the fool. Now, what does this tell us? Should we find out if somebody's a fool and then avoid them like the plague? Should we avoid everybody? Because they might be a fool? No, it's simply saying, watch out. Be very cautious when correcting people. I like to do it, and I'm going to admit this. I'm to, it's hard. It is hard. I like to say, I'm not going to mention this unless I talk to that person by themselves first. That's the attitude I have. I have to force myself to do that because it is so tempting just to let it out on Michelle. She's my wife. She's supposed to let me unload on her, right? No, okay? There are times when I need to unload on Michelle, but not before I talk to that person individually, okay? If I unload on Michelle, I feel better for the moment, but then I've still got the problem in between me and the offender, Be very cautious when correcting people. What is the safest way to correct someone? I'm going to give you a hint. Jesus already told you. The safest way to correct someone is one on one privately. But we don't do that. What we do is we go and gossip to everybody else. And now it's huge and it's going to get bad because he's going to defend himself. One-on-one, he is less likely to kick back because there's very little threat. There's no one else hearing it. There's no one else judging him. You typically are going to be a little bit on the scared side, which is going to speak to him that you're not dangerous. The safest way to correct someone is one-on-one. But if that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, The next safest way is with four people. You, him, and two or three others. Four or five. Not the whole church. But so often it turns into the whole church knows about it that he found out the whole church knows about it. And now it's big. It doesn't need to get that way. At the same time, be cautious about it start by letting them know we care what I do is I say can we read a passage of Scripture just you and me and I take them right here I read Matthew 18 verse 15 I say this is where we're at and because I care about our church I care about you I care about our relationship this is what I need to say. I hope you take it in the spirit that it's meant. But start by letting them know you care. Don't start with, you hurt me, because at that point his defense goes up. Start with letting him know you care and want to help. Always use Scripture. And the easiest one to use is Matthew 18 15 because it's applicable. Always use Scripture. Why? It will keep us from sounding hypocritical. Wade, I care about you. I care about you. I care about the church. Okay? There's something that you do. You have to stop doing whatever. Immediately, he says, Well, you do that same thing. (laughs) Immediately, he says, You do that same thing. Go to a verse. Go to a verse. Where, what? Do your homework. Go to a verse and say, see this verse right here? You and I both need to work on this. Will you help me work on this? At that point, you're a team. The problem goes away. It's amazing how close friendships start with a problem. If it feels good, don't say it. If it feels good, don't say it. If you get nothing else, Out of what I just taught you, remember that. The reason we skip the process is because it feels good. If it feels good, do not say it. Finish by asking how we can help. This process will save churches. This process will save relationships. This process is scriptural. This process came from Jesus Himself verse 13 whoso rewardeth evil for good evil shall not depart from his house let's suppose I do the process I go all the way to the church because Jesus said to do it and he still won't respond at that point God's made a promise to him whoso rewardeth evil for good evil shall not depart from his house This one, by the way, was personal for Solomon. I think it hurt for Solomon to write these words. David had his mother's first husband killed. Don't forget. David had his mother's first husband killed. Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. Solomon saw the mess that became of his family. He had to watch it happen. And I submit to you, he knew what was happening and couldn't do a thing about it. That being said, everyone has their difficulties. Everyone has their difficulties. Difficulties are not necessarily a result of being evil. Okay? We learned that with Job. We learned that with Jesus. Jesus. We learn that with several of the disciples depending on what point they were in their life. Difficulty can come to the most innocent of people, which Jesus is the most innocent and he had the most difficulty. So difficulty does not necessarily come from sin. Those who do not seek Jesus have even more. Those who... Who do not seek Jesus have even more difficulty. Why? Because they ain't doing the three steps. They don't know about the three steps. They have no idea that there's a way to solve a problem that works. Those who harm others have even more. Why do I say this? My natural sinful instinct is to want retribution. Do I want justice or do I want to feel better? If I want justice, it's got to be saved for God. It's got to be saved for God. God will bring absolute justice. However, He's not going to let me watch. I don't get to sit back and enjoy it. But if all I do is kick back and make myself feel better, I made the problem worse. Turn to Him 123. <clears throat> 123. Tell it to Jesus, not to each other. Are you weary? Are you heavy-hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving, overjoyed and hearted? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus Have you sins that two men's eyes are hidden? Tell it to Jesus alone Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus Jesus. He is a friend that's well known You have no other such a friend or brother Tell it to Jesus alone do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Are you anxious what shall be tomorrow? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. For Christ's coming kingdom are you sighing? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Verse 14. The beginning of strife is as one letteth out Water, like a breaking dam, strife can quickly get out of control. That's why we must use step one first. We must use step one first because I'm telling you, what you're angry about can explode into something way bigger than you ever thought it could possibly be. And once it starts, it's like a dam that opens up and just destroys everything in its path. Therefore, leave off contention. Let it go. Let it go before it be meddled with. What is meddling? Meddling is starting at step number two. That's meddling. Is step number one meddling? No no it's not meddling or else Jesus would not have said do it going straight to step number two that's meddling don't mess with the system don't mess with it let God handle it if possible if you don't want to go through the steps go straight to forgiveness if possible That's hard. That is hard. Looking at that person in the same room with you in church, and they're supposed to be a Christian. If you can do that, then good. If you cannot forgive and let it go, go one on one. Go one on one. At that point, you've got God's blessing, regardless of how they respond. God is much more efficient. It's solving stuff. Verse 15. He that justifieth the wicked, or says what a wicked person did was okay. What is wicked? Simply not seeking Jesus. Mm -hmm. He that justifieth the wicked. The most common way this happens is I think God will understand. I know you didn't do the first step, but I think God would understand. I know you don't believe in Jesus specifically, but I think God will understand. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, just the other side of the coin. I know God has forgiven you, but I won't. I can't. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination unto the Lord. Literally, God hates them. God hates them. He wants nothing to do with them. What does this say about us as Christians? We better not do either. We need to work very hard not to do either. Are we going to be perfect? No, because we are in fact sinners. But if we simply refuse to do things God's way... God is against us. And it could be another sign that we're not saved. I I want to be very careful when I say someone's not saved if they do this because a Christian can do anything a non-Christian can do. But we need to understand that just because I said the sinner's prayer when I was eight years old does not mean I'm automatically saved. It might have been not as real as I thought it was either. It might be an indication I need to get this straightened out with God. Whoops. God hates injustice. Sometimes He allows it to go on for a long time, but God hates it. God will make it right. If there's one thing that we see in Scripture is that God absolutely will judge sin eventually. God is kind, which is why we're all still alive. But eventually, every single sin will get paid for, and God especially hates injustice. He will make it right verse 16 wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom seeing he hath no heart to it again poetically spoken wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom how much would he pay to get wisdom seeing he hath no heart to it he does nothing to get it he doesn't even want it wisdom to him is irrelevant wisdom to him is work Wisdom then says it would make me feel so much better if I could just unload on my enemy and just walk away. Just unload and walk away. A fool doesn't care that he's hurting himself. He doesn't care. I know this is going to get me in jail, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know this is going to cause me a problem, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know, that I might get caught. I'm going to do it anyway. Why are they like that? They don't want wisdom. Wisdom is too hard. It's too much work. They're not interested in it. Because, yeah, I said that already. Verse 17, a friend loveth at all times. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you had a friend that stabbed you in the back at one time or another? Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs are proverbs. It's the way things usually work, even among the unsaved. A friend loveth at all times. A true friend loveth at all times. Don't forget, love is not a feeling. It's an action. It's patience. It's kindness. It's gentleness. It's long-suffering. A true friend They'll be with you even in the bad times. And a brother is born for adversity. Does that mean we get to use our family? Did God give us our family to use them when we get into trouble? Dad? I know you're not my brother, but you're the closest male to my family. Okay? Okay. That says that you're supposed to help me in adversity. Are you going to do it? What if I did it to myself? Let's suppose. Let's suppose that I get angry one time and I steal something just to make it right. Just to make it right, I steal something. I get caught and go to jail. Should you help me get off of it? I'm not saying bail at this point. I see bail different than everybody else, okay? But should you help me get off of the charge? Some mothers, some fathers, will actually take their children out of the country. You you heard about the affluenza teen? That's exactly what she did, was try to help him get out of the charge. Should you do that? Absolutely not. A brother is born for adversity. God created the family to support each other is all that says. It does not say family has to help each other in every situation because there's a lot of times when the family member is doing the wrong thing. We never, ever, ever help someone do the wrong thing. Never. There is no justification. There is no need too great to help someone do the wrong thing. Well, I don't know what else to do. That's the best place they can be. That's the best place. Why? Because they got to turn to God. Is it possible that God is wanting to teach them something in this problem? Is it possible that if we help them escape this problem, that God won't get his work done? Then back off. Back off. Help them if it's genuine. If it's not genuine, let them deal with it with God's help sometimes they won't help sometimes we have family members and they've always been users they've always come to us whoops I'm all messed up (laughs) what do you do with them what do you do with them You know what I think will work? Wager now my brother. Okay? One-on-one. One-on-one plus three. One-on-one plus the whole family. I submit to you that would work. Typically, though, we don't go one-on-one. We just go to the whole family. Gossip, gossip, gossip. And the family's immediately on our side because we didn't tell them his side. Now he's at war with the whole family until they get his side of the story. Then they're at war with me. One on one. One on three or four. And then the whole group works. I submit to you, it will work every single time. I don't want to go that far with it because what God is doing may be bigger than just solving this problem. But I tell you what, this process has God's blessing on it. Verse 18 a man void of understanding striketh hands that is cosigning that's cosigning a man void of understanding striketh hands and becometh surety in the presence of his friend this is the third time first time was Proverbs 6 the second was Proverbs chapter 11 this is the third time he has warned us against cosigning I'm not going to say who, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. I got wind that someone in this church was going to co-sign. I went to them privately, and I asked them, did I not teach you properly? (laughs) You know what their answer was? Got to do what you got to do. It never helps. It never helps. Mm -hmm. By the way, this is not the last time he's going to warn against cosigning. Don't ever do it. Well, what do you do if you don't know what to do? Let God be the answer for the person we care for. Say, I know what you want me to do. But my Bible tells me over and over and over, don't do it. Let's make a deal. Okay? You go to God with it. You go to God with it. And if He doesn't help you, give Him some time. If He doesn't help you, then I'll reconsider. Don't make promises you can't keep, but then I'll reconsider. That might be just the thing this person needs to get into closer fellowship or fellowship at all with the Lord. God has done... Tremendous things to get to people he's not afraid to do it let him do his work but it's so vitally important that when he says no he means no even if it's someone that is so important to you tell them this is what you're doing tell them straight up I want to help you everything in me wants to help you but I have to believe that the Bible is true verse 19 he that loveth transgression loveth strife not seeking Jesus that's transgression many different levels not seeking Jesus brings problems bypassing Jesus brings problems he that loveth transgression loveth strife I'm just not going to do all that I'm just not But somehow we think it's going to solve problems. Don't answer out loud. Be honest with yourself. Don't answer out loud. In your life or the life of someone you care about, when a corner was cut, did it ever work out? i bet you can't name one time that it actually worked out. It maybe got them out of the problem immediately, but it turned into something bigger. Cutting corners brings problems. It never solves problems. It makes no sense to cut corners. He loveth transgression, loveth strife, and he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. <clears throat> what does it mean? Don't answer What does it mean to exalt your gate? Because if you don't know what exalting your gate is, you might very well seek destruction and don't even know you're doing it. He that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. He makes his gate big. That's all it means. He makes his gate big. He exalteth his gate Well, what in the world does that mean? That's even more confusing than exalting your gate. Gates are in fences and walls. This is a form of a gate right here. Back there is a form of a gate. Gates are in fences and walls. The bigger the gate, the more risk of someone getting in. Now, let's think about this for a second. Every single window, every single door is a chance for someone to get in here that we don't want in here. Whether we're here or not, it's an opportunity. If I break up the windows, now they only have two opportunities. If I break up this door, I lower it even more, however, that door is the bigger of the two. Now let's suppose they're wanting to bring something in here that's large. The only gate that's safe to have is this one, because the Lord's he can't come in. That's the only gate that's safe to have. I believe this is a warning to always be on guard. Always be on guard. Exalteth his gate, he opens himself up. He's not paying attention. He's just going with the flow. It's dangerous. Expect sinners to sin. Even save sinners. They're going to sin. If sinners could stop sinning, then why in the world did Jesus have to go to the cross? Jesus had to go to the cross because sinners can't stop sinning. Expect it. Trust no sinner. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for giving Jerry the wisdom to have us set it up to where I preach at 10. It is such an enjoyable thing. I, I wasn't expecting it to be this enjoyable. Thank you for Jerry Hunter and using him in this church. Father, your word has got a lot of stuff in it. Help us to do our best to learn it. Help us to do our best to do it. Help us to remember that will solve problems. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll take a break.